What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, Wednesday, September 14th. It's power to the pod. It's all the things that you want to know, all of your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it, here today on yet another mailbag for Power to the Pod. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day and oh boy is the energy in this fan base palpable right now despite what uh some of the questions and concerns and criticisms and observations you may see from some dolphins fans on social media i can tell you uh the engagements that i'm getting for people that are excited about this team is way up and miami of course has a huge opportunity to build on that with their week two contest against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. But before we get there, we of course have to get to uh, power of the pod. It's all the things that you want to talk about here on the show. It's all of your pressing observations, thoughts, questions, you name it. That's what we're going to tackle here. That's what power to the pod is all about. So with that in mind, uh, we are going to dive right in to Power to the Pod with your questions that have been submitted over the course of the past week since we got in. Obviously, we had the game on Sunday, uh, so many, 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 many things uh, that have been submitted are within the last 48-hour window, and that's how one of the reasons how I know the excitement is so tangible within this fan base because there's a lot of questions that have been dropped in the last 48 hours so i'm going to start with one from greg greg power to the pod uh to a hill <laughs> it's the title five stars kyle always a great listen after watching the game very very happy after a dub my question is while Tua played a solid game he had those three to four plays that reminded me of Tannehill. those plays could have and in the past have cost the dolphins games do you think mcdaniel can clean that up so this goes back to, and I know this has been feedback that's been provided by me and plenty of people. Um, but even on Monday and, and Tuesday this week, talking about the plays within the grasp. I certainly think to some degree, you can get a quarterback more comfortable to concede downs. Um, to it at his core has been somebody who has tried to be a playmaker. You even think back to when he first came to Alabama, right? And there were some negative plays that were taken in the sake of trying to create bigger plays. And uh, some of that, it, it's, you want to let him be himself. You want to let him approach the game in the way that is most natural to him so that he's not overthinking. But I think when you have a player who has been so eager to, uh, fortify his standing with the team and, and fortify uh, his viability as a player, like he's going to want to make stuff happen. 
it's those plays when you are outside of structure that I think Tua Tangavaloa stands the most room to grow. Because I'll say this, the plays that he played on Sunday against the Patriots with a clean pocket, when he had time and he went through his progressions and he wasn't forced off his spot or they didn't have loopers that were forcing him to flow and try to get away from pass rushers or throw under duress, if he's uncontested as a passer, you saw a lot of really good accuracy and you saw some throws in which he drove the ball down the field. Now, it's not 75-yard haymakers up over the top, but like, yeah, there's like six guys on the planet that can do that with any level of consistency. And there's plenty of guys with big arms, too. But the anticipation from Tua, I think he has a chance to be really good in this offense in structure. And then it becomes, okay, how well can you minimize those opportunities where he is forced to try to be something that he's not or has to make the decision to accept conceding the down. I don't know that that component will ever go away, but the nice thing, if you contrast Tua Tungvaloa to, to Ryan Tannehill, Tua Tungvaloa does have an innate feel for feeling pressure around him in the pocket. His escapability is a different story, but his ability to feel and slide and find free space is a strength where that is something that has never been a strength of Ryan Tannehill's. But uh, to your point, I agree. It's those plays outside of structure, in the grasp, that can be problematic if you don't handle them properly. So it's the Dolphins' objective and Mike McDaniel's objective to keep him within structure as much as possible because that's where the anticipation and the accuracy and the timing can really shine. Uh, Taylor checking in with a question. Loved week one if McDaniel can dedicate a period of practice to having Tua simply work on throwaways. I like our chances going forward. My question, do you think we were saving part of the playbook for week two against Baltimore? Appreciate your hard work. No, I don't think saving is necessarily the right how I would classify it. Um, this offensive attack certainly felt like we have certain things that we feel we can attack. And I love the fact that on the fourth down touchdown, like they came together and took the timeout and they talked about their anticipated coverage and they schemed up a specific play based on, okay, we're going to motion Cedric Wilson to force the DBs to flip. We're expecting cover one, but if we motion and reduce down and take a short motion and the DBs flip, then Jalen Waddle with the reduce set is going to get man-to-man -man coverage with an outside leverage defender, which gives him the free access to cross that defender's face and should give you an ample throwing window if Tua throws the ball with anticipation before the high post safety can drive down on it. Like yeah, that having that kind of understanding of, hey, we're going to come together. This is what we're expecting. Here's what we're going to call. And then going out and getting that call right, you love that. Right. So now watch the film from week one for the Ravens and say, OK, what are we expecting? There will probably be different things in the playbook that are different points of emphasis. There will be uh, some of those core principles that we've talked about that we'll see all season long for Miami that uh, they may find different wrinkles to get into or they may find in, that now is the time to add another layer to that. Well, last time we did it this way. Well, next time we're going to present it like this, but then have this counterpunch off of it instead so that they see the film preparation and they're expecting to do what we did against New England, where in reality we're building and anticipating what the defensive adjustments are going to be based on the background of the coaches that are coaching for Baltimore. So 
I don't think it's like, oh, we're going to save this uh, 30-page chunk from the playbook and not show it because we want to have it for, for Baltimore before showing it on tape. It's, it's kind of the natural progression. I know Chan Gailey is a guy who uh, probably invoking the name caused some cringes, and I understand that. But he's, he had talked in the past about you know your playbook really is like a and Eric Sudisville said something similar I believe it was last year your your playbook really is a living breathing dynamic document that changes over time and it's as you find things that you have success with based on the players that you have you find different ways to build upon those things so uh there's going to be lots of things that the dolphins show new against baltimore but I don't think it'll be because they made the conscious decision to say hey we're we're going to sit on this and we're going to wait on this so that we don't show it against week 2 against Baltimore. That's part of the, the matchups component of the game on any given week, which is one of my favorite things about the NFL. Uh, before we go any further, I tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn. As you gear up this fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you can add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find the right people for you to hire with simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience that you, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job posts are, and seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. MK with a question. Fins for the win, as Jalen Wada would say. Uh, Kyle, love the podcast as always. Do you feel that with Tua targeting Hill most of the game that it limited our offense? I saw other wide receivers open on multiple plays, but Tua seemed to look for Tyreek on almost every play. Okay, let's, let's take the look. Let's take the dive. I want to go to the... Uh, box score just because I want to get it right. And obviously, you know, there, there were not Tyreek Hill targeted 12 times. Jalen Waddle targeted five times. Chase Edmonds targeted four times. Ingold, Smythe, Sherfield, Cedric Wilson targeted twice. Raheem Mostert, Mike Gusecki targeted once 33 pass attempts for Tua Tungavaloa. Um, I don't think it was limiting in this game. And, and here's, we've had this debate over Draft Network quite a bit recently. And it, it's about the, the recent shift in the market of wide receivers and, and the acceleration that you are seeing of teams that are aggressively paying $25 plus million for wide receivers. And that obviously includes the Dolphins with Tyree Kill. My general, if I were a general manager, if I were an NFL decision maker, my policy on playing, paying players top of market dollar is I want to pay players who change the math of the game of football. It's 11 on 11. Who are players that can change advantages for you and create numbers advantages across different 
quadrants, sections, thirds, whatever of the field. Tyreek Hill changes the math of the game of football because, yeah, there were uh, instances of free runners all over the place. But when you have free runners all over the place, talking about Dolphins receivers in space, because teams are still trying to respect the explosive ability that Tyreek Hill has, if Tyreek Hill is the first progression and he gets extra attention, but he's still open, it really doesn't matter if everybody else is open too. And I think that's what you saw with, you know, what? We had the the wheel, the jet wheel that they threw, the 50-50 ball that Tyreek had to go up and take away from Jack Jones. Yeah, that was a throw from a coverage standpoint. It's a tough sell to make a living consistently throwing that ball. Tyreek went out and made a great play, and Tua put it up there for his guy to go make a play. Great. That's that's part of it. At the end of the day, you got to go make plays, right? Um, but that's a, I think it's a testament just as much as the fact that they they highlighted Tyreek as much as they did. It's a testament to Tyreek's math-changing ability that he can still generate that kind of space across the entire field because teams are trying to take away those big plays. And yet he is still getting open himself and the spacing has changed. So I think that so long as we have the opportunity to see Tyreek and Jalen and Mostert and Chase and Cedric all sharing the field together with all of that speed, it's going to change the math for teams and Tyreek is the single biggest catalyst. So I don't view it a bad thing. Because Tyreek's still open. You're still scheming touches. You're still kind of going through your progressions. And a lot of those, Tyreek was the first progression. He was still open despite the things that team, uh, that the Patriots defense was trying to do to compensate. So I don't think it's a bad thing because it's changing the math and he's still winning. <laughs> and that, that's a testament to a special player. And I think you'd be doing a, a disservice if, in the sake of balance, if he is open in the progression and you are invested in him to the degree that you are, that you wouldn't get him touches. Right. So that that's, there are ways and times in which you can over force feed somebody the ball. I didn't think Tyreek versus new England was a case of that personally, in my opinion. Our next one comes from a Viper fan, a Viper fan. There's two P's, which is throwing me off on your name. So apologies if I did not get it right on either of the two swings of the bat that I took. <laughs> Nick. Okay, Nick. He signed it at the end. Thanks, Nick. Been listening to Kyle for many years now on my daily runs. Truth is, I probably haven't missed more than a handful of shows over the many years, even before he took on Locked On. Thank you very much for listening. Sincerely. What you can count on, Kyle, is a seriousness and depth of knowledge that is actually worth listening to. Thanks, Kyle, for the work that you put in. Kyle, what do you think a true versatile able to run the what do you think that a true versatile able to defend the run and pass could bring? You didn't define what position. Is it linebacker? Is it safety? Could bring to this defense. Do you think that will be a priority next offseason? So he's looking for a defender of true versatility to be able to defend the run and the pass. Linebacker is probably my assumption because that's the thing that I think the Dolphins are missing. I think Channing Tindall can develop into that. I don't necessarily know that 
that player is on the roster right now with entire certainty. Um, but if, and, and if I look at the prospects and, and yeah, you're going to get probably 60 seconds of prospect talk here. I understand the dolphins are one to know, and everybody's all excited about the team. Please don't get mad. If I talk about a prospect who I think would be a good fit for the dolphins in September. Okay. I'm draft draft network. Like it's, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, I think about the top linebackers that are available. And the one that pops to me is Henry Toho Toho from Alabama. He was originally at Tennessee, transferred to Alabama. Uh, he is a true stack linebacker, Mike linebacker type with really, really good instincts. Now, Noah Sewell from Oregon is like your hammer that comes down hill and could be the Elana Roberts type role. You have Trenton Simpson, who's a little bit more of a hybrid kind of pass coverage linebacker, third down pressure type. Uh, but Toho Toho from Alabama is the one that I would put a star on that I think if you put him into this defense, you could really unlock some some new things uh, that make it uh, even more difficult. And you've seen that with Buffalo, right? To get this back to, to topical and NFL talk here and now. Buffalo, the past couple of years, has said, okay, what are kinds of players that we can add that further accentuate our identity and add matchup pieces that make us even more difficult on any given week if teams are going to try to take away X. And, and you think about the addition of running back James Cook for the Bills. And yeah, he fumbled his first touch for the Bills against the Rams and lost all his touch opportunities in that week because of it. Um, but adding a speedy back with pass-catching skills to everything else that they already have offensively is kind of like, you can start going after cherries on top. And defensively, I think we probably need another outside corner. We probably need a third safety long-term, long-term here, not, not this year. Um, but that cherry on top, do-it-all cerebral linebacker type would really fascinate me uh, as the Dolphins continue to lean into their defense uh, being one of their core identity pieces. Our next one comes from Larry, week two, Dolphins at Ravens. I told you before that I was a Maryland guy, so I'll be at the game along with four of the buddies that happen to be Ravens fans. Oh, you poor thing. Just wanted to, let you, uh, wanted to know if you will be there as well. I'm in the corner of the end zone, section 144, hopeful for a big-time win, as the Ravens usually aren't so favorable of a matchup for us. Fins up, let's go. I will be there. Secure my tickets yesterday. Uh, we'll be in the stands. Uh, I do have opportunities covering the team to to go uh, get credentialed like I do for training camp. But on game day, to watch a game, that there's a certain part of being in the element in the game day environment and not having to put that filter on and understanding that if you're in a press setting, like objectivity and, and not actively rooting for the team is is part of like, the game day coverage experience that I will gladly accept um, in any other setting. But when the Dolphins are playing, like I am just so passionate about the team that it, it'd be very difficult for me to go. And I could do it, right? Like I go to training camp and I'm, I'm very objective and uh, not actively cheering for big plays on, on either side of the ball. But um, the game day situation, I, I just love being in the stands amidst the game day environment and the emotions that are there with that. So, yes, I will be there. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to networking with some Dolphins fans. I actually 
I've been meaning to send an Instagram DM to somebody who reached out about uh, something for Sunday morning that I would love to take them up on. So keep an eye out if you're listening. Uh, we'll, we'll hope to, to get linked up with you as well. Before we go any further, our friends over at Bet Online is your number one spot for all your sports betting information needs for both pro and college football and every sport. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's uh, week two contests. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports waging information, including live betting, esports, and more. The fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, and of course, football. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. As we finish here today, I think that was my last one that did not lose topical. Uh, Jafardi. Okay, we we got a couple of them. Kyle's insights go far beyond what a mere fan would give. His down to earth knowledge brings me sanity through the good times and bad. Definitely my first que- my first podcast. To listen every day, not just Dolphins podcast. My question: Where will you be this Sunday before the game? It's my first home game ever. Sharing it with my dad and brother for our first game together ever. Uh, it's a really special occasion. I would love to shake your hand, Jafardi. I am sorry that I missed you. I hope you enjoyed the game, though. And I want to give you a shout-out and your family a shout-out here on Locked on Dolphins. That's the one regret that I have when I go to games is the uh, opportunity to meet fans that I cherish every single time. Um, but I did not wear this on Sunday. Uh, it was too hot, and I have the sunburn to show it. I have uh, the the grind tape custom jersey I elected not to wear. I'm sure it would have flagged some more attention to meet some more of you guys, but I did meet several of you and Jafardi. I look forward to meeting you next time. JB, our last one. In your season preview, you mentioned no Byron Jones is a significant factor in projecting a loss to the Bills in week three. Why doesn't Tredavious White, Bills corner, being on the same PUP list for the Bills, not put the advantage back to the home team? The Bills are rolling with Kyer Elam as a starting corner. Being a Gator, I think he's great. But do you really think Elam is going to be able to keep up with Tyreek or Waddle? No. Uh, I also know Christian Benford, the uh, corner from Villanova, is act- has act- technically started the Rams game for the Bills. And obviously, we got to get through Baltimore first. But um, I think Miami is well positioned to challenge Buffalo in week three. Uh, but based on the recent history of the matchup, uh, I'm going to be pretty reluctant to give them the benefit of the doubt in what I think would be a close call one way or another until they show it and they do it. And. Um, Maybe some of that is is self-preservation for my own sanity on Sunday. Uh, when that game comes around, knowing full well that it's the eye roll and, oh boy, here we go. Like, uh, we're playing this team again. And, and we all know what the recent track records look like. And it's not good. Uh, so maybe that's my self-defense mechanism. But I also feel like when the losing streak has reached the depths that it has, yes, it's it's nice for Miami to know that Tredavious White will not be playing week three. Um, but that's not going to put – I'm I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, the, the recent history 
is inconsequential. So a uh, couple notes for you guys uh, on Dolphins coming out of week one. Uh, the team, I wanted to kind of shout out some, some ranks for the Dolphins and, and where we currently sit. Uh, the team is 17th in scoring offense, 20 points scored. Uh, they are second in the NFL in scoring defense with uh, seven points allowed. That uh, is obviously a very small sample size. 17th uh, in points, 22nd in yards in offense. So, you know, just over 300 yards of offense against uh, Bill Belichick, who say what you will about his recent history, and it's it's not good, right? Um, and, and there are some questions about this Patriots team. Uh, but yet there were still 10 teams across the NFL that had less NFL off or offensive production across the NFL than what the Dolphins did. The Dolphins seventh in defensive yards um, conceded. So one of those 10 teams that has less yards than Miami after one week is the um, New England Patriots. The point differential plus 13 is good for sixth best in the NFL right now. The yards differential is good for 12th in the NFL right now out of 30 or out of 32 teams. So uh, just a quick check in here as we get ready to turn the page and a reminder that um, this stretch of time for Miami, we, uh, we got four games left in the first quarter of the season. And the objective is to find three wins total. You need two at this point out of four. You're at Baltimore. And I think Baltimore is a matchup that Miami has some really favorable advantages in. Um, and we'll, we'll dig more into that between tomorrow with Crossover Thursday with Locked on Ravens and on Friday when we talk about building a game plan to beat the Baltimore Ravens exclusively here on the show. But I like this matchup in many ways for Miami. Of course, you have an elite player, elite quarterback on the other side of the field in Lamar Jackson, which makes it a dangerous proposition on any given week. Um, and I'm looking forward to the, the Dolphins having that challenge. But uh, this is one that I feel like, regardless of what the injury status is, with Eric Rowe, Austin Jackson, and obviously not having Byron Jones, there's enough here where I'm pretty optimistic about what this can look like for Miami if they go out and they execute. And we're going to talk about that over the next two shows. So make sure you plan accordingly. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. I will be back again tomorrow to catch up with all of you on Crossover Thursday.